Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, everybody? Welcome inside Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast. Josh Shaw, live from Austin, Texas, baby. And Ryan here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Completely different. Like, it's crazy. Like, do you want to take the snow? Can you take all the snow behind me and just bring it down by you, and I'll take whatever, what is it, like 80 degrees by you right now? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's like 75. It is raining today, which oh, uh, I was about to about, but now that I can see outside and, and see that there's a little bit of dusting of snow out there, I'm not even going to see you. Does any part of you miss the snow? No, not at all. all. Not at all. Did so you ever ski or you After you move away from snow, you realize like how terrible it actually is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is fucking terrible. It is terrible. And another thing people think, this is a bad transition, another thing people might think is terrible is... What Josh and I refer to as sort of like the Amazon effect in the world. And, and the Amazon has been blamed a lot for things um, from, from other people within the industry and spaces saying, well, Amazon did this or Amazon did that. Overall, from a personal standpoint, Josh, I want to ask you, like, do you think – what's your personal take on Amazon in terms of what they've done for business in general? I mean, I can't, I can't think of one company – in recent history that's done more for like small business owners to create like millionaires. I, I can't even count on my hand the amount of people that I know that have been able to be successful in part or in large part to Amazon. I think that, you know, it's, it's, it, they created this kind of unique um, flywheel that has, you know, some benefits and, and negatives depending on which stakeholder you are. But if you are, like a small business owner, um, you have this ability to get potentially millions of people to see your product out there. Uh, and it's just a matter of do you know how to utilize the platform or not? I totally agree. Like Amazon within our industry is interesting because people like bodybuilding.com will be like, Amazon has really cut into our sales. Yeah, they have, but that means they're doing something right. You know, people are going to Amazon to purchase. Then what is that? What is it that you're not doing that they do? And why are they depleting your sales? Um, from a supplement menu or supplement brand side of things, like Amazon is another platform, it's basically a retail outlet for you to sell your product. And I, I don't, like Amazon is the number one space for sports nutritional supplements today. Correct? Yeah. Do you know what in the principle like, is? Yeah, in terms of overall revenue, um, Amazon would be. Um, as big, if not uh, a little bit bigger than Walmart overall. So, I mean, neither one of those corporations break out the categorical sales. So, it's kind of like a toss up in terms of that. But that's totally different. I mean, we're not just online sales. Amazon for sure is number one. And then physical retail is probably Walmart. Yeah, I think, I mean, in terms of like when you were talking before about small business owners and the millionaires, was that comment basically geared towards the generalized business sense? Or were you thinking actually within dietary supplements? Yeah, I, mean, I, I was talking more general, um, just business owners, general merchandise, kind of whatever. There were so many opportunities in every category. I do, though, think that there was a ton of opportunity for supplement um, brands to make a good amount of money, uh, supplement retailers, if they were quick enough to realize that that was a big, uh, going to be a big component of, of the history of the supplement industry, or just the recent, I guess, the current stage of it. Uh, but a lot of people, I think, in initial... And I'm talking probably like early 2010s, maybe uh, you know even linking into early late 2000s overall. You had a lot of people that didn't understand Amazon at all, and you also just didn't really like have a lot of people that 
uh, spoke very highly of them at that point in time. And I think that's because the substitutes for business in the supplement industry, there was a lot of viable options out there. You had Vitamin.com that was crushing it. You had a lot of like online retailers that were crushing it. You had both uh, GNC and Vitamin Shop expanding extensively. So it was one of those areas where you didn't really understand the value in the early days for the supplement category with Amazon. Amazon had obviously been a very big business before that, but they were focused more on categories that maybe were outside supplements. So you didn't, I think until like the late 2000s was a time where people perked up a little bit and started to realize how to utilize Amazon for, for supplements. I remember back in 2014, I was a supplement warehouse and we were selling on Amazon as a retailer. That was still a new concept, like an extremely new concept for a retailer to be selling on Amazon. Now, there were brands that were ultimately selling on there, but like for us to sell something as SW, what was bodybuilding wasn't even selling on there at, at that point, bodybuilding.com. Now they are. But, you know, but that was a whole new animal for us to learn as a retailer because we're, we know what we know, and that's how we run our retail model and how we do our digital model. We didn't necessarily know the Amazon model. Then you had the, then you have obviously Prime or Fulfilled by Amazon, which is a different option as well within within the Amazon consumer interface system, which you had to learn all those things. So I think maybe what a lot of people look at Amazon and said, maybe it's too difficult. You know, maybe it's too difficult for me to sell on Amazon because if, if I sell on bodybuilding.com, like they contact me, they they submit a PO, I ship them a pile of product and that's it. But Amazon's a little bit different. I have to like sign up for all these different specialty programs that they have. Is it supposed to be fulfilled by Amazon? Am I supposed to ship it? Should it be Prime eligible? And I think the complexity, although in the scheme of things, it might not be overly complex, it was more complex than what a bodybuilding or a Tiger Fitness was providing or a direct-to-consumer site, right? Like somebody submits an order on my WooCommerce or Shopify site, it's, it's pretty quick, pretty easy. Um, so I, I don't know how much hands-on experience you have within the back system of Amazon in terms of shopping, but it's it's – from, from what I remember, it's probably changed now. Like, it wasn't super simple. Like, it wasn't cut and dry for us, at least at SW back in 14. Now it's six years later. Maybe it's a lot easier to do it. But I think those who got on it sooner rather than later benefited from Amazon versus being, you know, sort of hurt by the Amazon effect. Yeah, I mean, I would consider myself like an expert comparable to the experts that are out there. I mean, there are people that are just insane on Amazon. They know that platform and all the kind of interlinked systems better than they probably know the back of their hand. But the I know it enough, and I've worked with it since I think 2011. Um, so I've been in Dude, some old. of old, yeah, of Amazon at differing levels um, for pretty much the last decade. So I know probably a lot more than the average person. And I definitely know a lot more about Amazon like from a strategic um, side of things and just what they have to offer than most people. But I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I think that there was an element of, of just newness and people having to learn a completely new way of doing business that was different. You, if we transport ourselves back to like the early parts of 2010, a lot of people were not even really doing that much on social media with talking to their customers and building relationships and building their brand. That was kind of the early phase of when Facebook and all those a few years you know, going in that they had Facebook pages and a lot of businesses were starting to um, start to use those as, as communication tools effectively. But you have to think about Amazon where they're basically doing the same thing. They're saying, hey, we gave you this great marketplace, this great platform, but you have to pretty much build your 
brand. We're going to give you access to build your listings and you have to optimize them and you have to know how to do all this stuff where most of the time people were dealing with, at that time, wholesale agreements. Basically, like you said, I mean, they were... They were just, hey, here's the PO, and you give it to Biden.com, or you give it to GNC, and then at that point, they do all the work. They have the relationships with the customers, they know how to optimize the merchandising to sell it, with the pricing and everything, and sales, and you're good to go. Basically, you take your uh, net 30 terms, you get your money, you put it in the bank, and you start the process all over again. Amazon wasn't necessarily like that, especially if you were dealing with on the seller side. Um, the vendor side is, is a similar model, but... The, the seller side, you had to really do a lot of things to actually build your own um, you know, traffic, build your own momentum on the platform, which was kind of foreign for supplement brands at that time. Yeah. And you look at supplement brands, there are – so there are brands that stayed the hell away from Amazon, like didn't know what to do, didn't touch it, and then you had – um, basically, a third-party retailer selling their products on there, and then that caused a big stir and breaking map. And then all of a sudden, now you had to be on Amazon. You had to be on Amazon to protect your map pricing because if you weren't on Amazon, Amazon didn't give a shit. Amazon wasn't going to go and and police the community and, and say shame on you for breaking map because if you're not going to be good enough to come on our platform, then we're not going to police it for you. Um, I think that's one aspect. But then I, I want to talk about like brands who actually leveraged the Amazon model and became super successful. And one of the brands that I, I, I'm familiar with, I believe you're familiar with too, is the Genius brand. The Genius brand, um, Robert Oliver over the Genius brand, I don't know if people know his story, but he had been actually working to pitch Amazon to supplement brands and nobody wanted to do it. Nobody wanted to take him up on that and say like, let's do this. He was like, a, he was a, a seller of a service, I believe, that was going to sell on Amazon for them and brands were like, no, we know we're good with bodybuilding.com, we're good with Tiger Fitness, we're good with our, you know, our, our brick and mortar retail stores. And at some point, Robert's just like, okay, if they're not going to do it, what am I doing? Like, I know this is a this is a ticking time bomb that's going to blow up for somebody who wants to take advantage of it. So he created a genius brand. Went on Amazon, it fucking blew up. And he created a sustainable business model via Amazon uh, and became probably one of the more popular, if not most popular, like I would say today, um, popular supplement brands via Amazon because now they're in Vitamin, Vitamin Shop and uh, Bodybuilding.com and different retailers that they weren't in before, but they used Amazon and, and they worked collectively together. That's not to say that they used the Amazon platform because it was a win-win situation for both, but to create this, like you mentioned before, small business into like a millionaire business through Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a handful of brands that are probably better known now, but they were not known at all, and they're doing you know well over a million dollars a month. Which, if you think about the size of businesses in the sports nutrition and supplement industry, that's actually a quite a big business. Um, and these brands leveraged Amazon early. Um, and the problem with I think the Genius brand has has probably done the best out of all the brands that have tried to move off yeah. platform that were like Amazon only brands. Now, there's still brands, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit here, because there are brands like an Optimum Nutrition or, you know, a Muscle Farm or BPI or, like, these brands that are big brands, they do more business than these Amazon-only brands on the platform. That's only because they're much bigger brands overall. But we're talking, like, a specifically Amazon-only brand built all for Amazon. There are, like, a lot of sleeper brands that got uh, up to a really good, revenue month over month type of situation they haven't really been able to jump off the platform into other channels yet genius brand is, is kind of a little bit different built brand um, supplement brand than a lot of these other ones that were more on the low cost side 
I think that the, the Genius Brain was built a little bit different in a way that works in different sales channels. It's still probably early, so you know I'm just guessing at this point how well it'll do in the future. But yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of um, people that jumped on Amazon early that were able to leverage it into businesses kind of stealth, and nobody really knew. Nobody knew that they were um, crushing it. Uh, I always had conversations with people I named some brands. And they're like, well, who, who is that? And I'm like, exactly. You don't know who they are, but they're crushing people um, because of them being on a platform in an area that a lot of people just didn't understand very well. Yeah, it wasn't, and it wasn't. Again, I'm not going to say it was super complex, but I think it just didn't take time. Like that wasn't a focus of theirs. I don't think anybody really truly believed in Amazon for a while, um, and then like you know Prime, and then Prime Day, and all these different things came out. And it's like, shit, we're behind the eight ball now. We're not on Amazon. Now we're trying to play catch up. And the worst feeling in the world is when you feel like you're behind and you have to play catch up as a brand, as a retailer. Because Amazon, obviously, right? Amazon is, they start out, Jeff Bezos started out Amazon's like as, as a, as this community of shopping, like a shopping community, right? At some point he was able to leverage that into more of a money, money generating thing by saying, okay, now we have so many brands on here. Now we're going to charge you for advertising on this platform. And like he lever- one thing after another, they put in a huge investment up front. And now to win, you have to pay for ads. But on top of that, like, you know what? I can win too because we have all this sales data. And this is the best part. And this is where private label and grocery stores, you know, kind of came onto the digital storefront. When you have years of sales data on popular categories, on popular SKUs, you can look through those and say, okay, these products are selling and why? And you can be like, look at, I mean, they're probably generating X amount of profit margin on this. We can do it cheaper and still make more money. And I think, and not to jump ahead in the conversation, but Amazon has, Amazon traditionally wasn't like big in the sports nutritional supplements until probably 2014, 2015, when they actually sponsored the Arnold, or the, 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 the Olympia. Yeah. Uh, Amazon Sports Nutrition was the, I guess the, the brand is what they kind of, and they were on the big banners in Vegas. And I, I don't know if you were at this one or not. I'm sure you probably yeah. were. But they streamed the Olympia. Like they were part of the streaming service that year of the event. And this was the last year that you had Kai Green and Phil Heath. So it was a big year. People knew in terms of the Olympia it was a big year. They had the streaming thing. They had they were a title sponsor up there um, with you know some of the other brands that, that, that pay all that money. But they were all in on sports nutritional supplements at that time. And, and this was before they even had their own private label. But they, they sent something, I think, through the movement data – that they had on the platform and said, like, this is an area that we understand is going to be a $40 billion industry or whatever it might be. Like, we want part of that. Um, and I don't blame them one bit for doing it. And I don't actually think that as a, as a brand, like, I can't be upset or mad at Amazon for doing that because I would do the same fucking thing. Yeah. And I think to your point there, the last point is that they also give you a mechanism to also be a part of that. Yeah. So it's not like they're just competing – uh, totally against you. You're also giving you a mechanism to say, like, hey, you can join the party and do this well. It unfortunately also feeds their flywheel to make them even stronger and bigger right. in the future. But in the short term, you at least have mechanism to join um, some of this type of thing. And I kind of want to jump a little bit back towards like a chronological order here. We talked a little bit around like the early um, 2010s or late 2000s in terms of like just people didn't really understand anything around Amazon in terms of the supplement category. And then you had going into like the mid 2010s, like you kind of mentioned, where you started to have sellers jump on there, retailers, or maybe somebody like Robert Alder, who was like a third party seller, a power seller that was buying a bunch of things wholesale and putting them on, or maybe trying to work with um, some of these brands. And you had 
the initial kind of flow of, of products and you had customers that were going and realizing, hey, there's some really good prices on the supplements that I buy all the time, even better pricing uh, a lot of times than where I was shopping. And it started to create a little bit more of a kind of a sales generating flywheel there for the category. And then that made more people jump in, more sellers. Distributors started to work with some of these sellers. Um, and as a brand, especially one you kind of put yourself back into that area, you were blindly operating a lot of times with who was buying your product from distribution. So you're seeing these POs come in from Europa or Muscle Foods, or I don't remember what it was called back then. Uh, basically, they would be putting in these POs, you're like, wow, I'm crushing it. You know, Europa's crushing it with me. And then you didn't really realize where that product was going. It was, you were giving these big, massive buy-in orders to these um, companies that maybe you didn't know all that well, and you didn't realize that they were Amazon like power sellers. And essentially what they were doing was creating um, some kind of like more, more uh, supply than you had for demand on the platform, which was driving the price down because you, as a brand owner, didn't know that you had to actually like manage all that, manage the price integrity or whatever. And that was kind of what created the, the hate of the supplement industry was because it totally crushed the price integrity behind uh, there. So everybody was looking at this and saying like, man, like what, how do we even manage this? How do we do this? It's killing our pricing. Biden Tom's pissed off at us. Yeah, you know, GNC's pissed off at us. Everybody's pissed off because like people can buy the product for cheaper on Amazon than they can buy it through us. Like, you know, and there's all this kind of, you know, virtual cycle that just kind of kept happening. That was kind of the phase that fed what you were talking about with like the, the uh, Mr. Olympia thing where Biden.com, GNC partners and things started to feel a little bit of the pain that was caused by Amazon that was a lot around like just the pricing structure and people were able to get uh, prices a little bit better on Amazon and that was feeding more customers going there. So you had Amazon just kind of giving big like fuck you, which was actually like, I think Biden.com was the title sponsor for like years before and Amazon moves in last minute and it's like, we'll take it, we'll take this because we're seeing a ton of traction in the category. We see the potential, we see the margins, we see whatever. And I actually was kind of commenting back in 2015 and 16, I think 17, around the real reasons behind what Amazon was doing. And you kind of pointed to this, but back then people really weren't understanding. They just thought, oh, they're trying to get exposure with customers. You know, oh, this is a great exposure piece for Amazon because now people are gonna know they buy a supplement. Like if you were at the shows, they didn't have a booth, really. No. They had literally, the first year was like literally some uh, iPhone chargers or something. Yeah, like that was literally nothing. what they had. Yeah. So they weren't really trying to push you to buy supplements on their, on their thing. Uh, what they wanted was relationships. They wanted to be in the building. They wanted to know who the movers and shakers were at Glambia, at you know, Muscle Farm, at BPI, at whatever. They wanted to get those. Also, they wanted to know the suppliers. They wanted to know the contract manufacturers. And all those people are in Vegas at one time. So it was one of those things where Amazon was really trying to build relationships that was going to help them in the future. And you kind of mentioned, like, the next step was the private label. That was kind of what this all kind of turned into was that Amazon had some ambitions to own their own brands or have the ability to do that in the future. And that 
2015 through 2017 was really the time when Amazon built those relationships that are now providing the benefit. And then off those relationships, and then they became on the platform, they were able to see again back what was selling, and then they decided to say, let's jump into this industry. Let's jump into this. And they came out with Amazon Basics, I think it was just like your typical capsules and pills, but now they actually have, I believe, protein powders. Um, I, 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 I'm shocked it wasn't as accelerated as I, as I thought it was going to be. Um, because I, for, a, for a second there, it seemed like, okay, boom, boom, and then it kind of became quiet. But um, like they are, I don't know, like what, what do they have right now for, uh, for a plethora of products within our space? Do you know? I mean, do they have performance powers like pre-workout and stuff as well? Because I haven't looked lately, and honestly, candidly, I'm not familiar with what's going on over there with their, their private label brand. Yeah, the Amazon Elements is their kind of mainstay, I guess, brand, but it's mostly caps and, um, and pills. I think that they do a really good job of like, transparency and a lot of things on there. They actually are leading the way in a lot of, thing, cap, a lot of like, strategies that people could look at and be like, oh, this is kind of interesting. But they also have a lot of the brands, private label brands that they um, that aren't called Amazon X or you know, whatever it is. Isn't it like Power uh, or PWR or some? You have all these different brands. You have, you have about 40 um, in the category that are either owned by Amazon, like they've taken ownership of them, or they are still in like this accelerator mode where basically they're not owned by Amazon, but they're basically, um, they have a leverage to sell them. They have a clause in their contracts that they could buy them based around uh, velocities and, and things like that. So you have 40 brands in total that are exclusive to Amazon in the category. Now, out of those 40, not many of them are like making like a material difference. Right. The far away, probably what you're talking about, like with we're saying sports nutrition products, is probably going to be either like you had that P2N brand, which was kind of like the first one in there, or there was um, oh, now it's totally losing track of it. Um, but there's also on the supplement um, side more just like general categories. We have like a solo brain, which has like – that's basically their consumer packaged good um, brand, like a up and up from an, uh, or an equate coming from like a Target or a Walmart. It's like their catch-all. It's their everything. Sure. But within, within that brand, they have protein bars, uh, energy drinks, they have supplements, they have all kinds of things. They also have like paper towels and diapers and you know, anything in between. But that by far is like their biggest revenue stream in terms of like supplements, even though um, it, it has a ton of other things within it. But overall, the category, like if you're counting both like the, the accelerator, our brands and the private label brands, you name it, they have it at this point. And that's, you mentioned just a lot of things there, which makes Amazon just such an attractive platform for the consumer. Right, like that's why you get, putting your supplements on there is a big thing because you know you can go to bodybuilding.com, but you can only buy supplements on bodybuilding.com. Now, with Amazon, you can add supplements to your cart. You can add an iPad to your cart. You can add a bicycle to your cart. You can add Josh Hall to your cart. You can do a lot of different things on Amazon because Josh does sell himself. It's himself. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I haven't been done for this podcast since we started. So, uh, but I'm saying you can get a lot of different things on Amazon, and, and as a shopping experience, like consumers do like that now. Not everybody can do that. Like, we try to do that over at Supplement Warehouse, too. Like, the, the owner of Supplement Warehouse when I was there wanted to sell, like, oils and all this other kind of shit. Like, we were – our name was Supplement Warehouse, okay? We weren't, like, a place you'd come for that type of stuff. So it was a stupid business decision on his part. But Amazon um, is a, just an attractive platform. Not only that, not only were they beating Bodybuilding.com on price, like, they were beating everybody on shipping with the Prime model, right? It cost So Prime would cost the supplement brands more money. Like, to be, to be Prime eligible, you as a brand – 
would pay a little bit extra or give up a little bit more margin to be part of Prime because we all know, like, if a consumer can get a product in two days versus, you know, three, they will pay extra for it and they want shipping here and they want it yesterday. Um, so that that was ultimately, like, another thing on, on Amazon that made it attractive. But there are brands today, Josh, that currently um, still do not do not play on Amazon. You know, and that's a strategic choice by them. Um, we've talked about it so many times, but, like, Ghost, right? Ghost doesn't have – isn't on Amazon. Do you believe, as a supplement brand today in 2020, that you should be on Amazon? I would say for the vast majority of people that are listening to this, the answer is probably yes, they should be, um, unless they have a very strong reason not to be, um, be that a ghost or a first form or something where they're trying to build uh, different things that maybe Amazon doesn't work properly within that. They don't feel like they're going to get the benefit possible. Uh, ghost reasons are much different than first forms and they're different uh, than other ones as well. They're, they all kind of have different reasons, but just from like a strength perspective or, or just to put this into kind of an idea, like most consumer packaged goods um, listings get more hits to their Amazon listings than they do to their website. So this is kind of turned into almost the first website. This is, if you right. are, you know, if you're looking to get your information out on your brand, on your product, more than likely people are going to find it on Amazon through their search engine, because I think over 50% of consumer product searches happen on Amazon. It doesn't happen on Google anymore. So you're basically missing out on all of that right off the bat, which might be okay in some cases, like I was saying with Ghost or, or something like that. There might be a reason why you're giving that up in the short term for something in the long term. But for the vast majority of supplement brands, what is kind of happening right now, especially the ones that maybe aren't looking long term, they don't really have a very strong brand experience, they don't really have all their ducks in the row, the things we're talking about before, they're trying to replace revenue right now. They have a bunch of brick and mortar revenue that they used to have maybe five years ago, three years ago, that dried up. It's no longer there. It's not there anymore. So where do you turn? Mm -hmm. You turn out at Amazon for that. So you're giving up, again, you're kind of like short-term thinking. You're trying to replace revenue. You're not necessarily thinking about what is this doing to me in the long term or my brand in the long term. That's not even a thought. Thing is like, I wanna keep the lights on. I wanna grow my business. And the only way to do that is replace revenue that I had lost to the only place where revenue is really going. Um, the easy place where revenue is going is Amazon. I mean, obviously, they, somebody would love to get on Target's shelves or Walmart shelves or 7-Eleven shelves, but that's not realistic for 99% or more of the brands in the space. So all those people that can get uh, some replacement of revenue, it's the easiest place to turn is Amazon. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested because you meet with a lot of supplement brands on a consulting basis. How many of the brands would you say in the last like couple of years have you worked with that aren't on Amazon? Not by choice, it's because they don't know how or they don't know where to start. Um, I would say that that dwindles by the year. I would say if you're thinking back, you know, three years or so, there was a, a good amount of them. I'd say now today there's, like I said, a handful of them that I could point to that, that I work with or that I know of that do not, and that's because of they have a, a bigger reason. Um, what I think is shifting recently is that a lot of times these brands were not even really managing their own Amazon, like in the sense where like they were just letting third-party sellers be 
the um, owners of these listings. They weren't really even worried about it. They were like, hey, it's, we have listings, we have sales, we have whatever, this is great. Right. But now you're having these brands realize that they have to take ownership of these listings, be it through like a totally gated exclusive type of an environment where like they're the only seller because they want to manage everything as best they can. They want to manage all the, you know, the uh, variables as possible, or they go, Hey, we're going to put ourselves or maybe just one power seller, like one exclusive seller that maybe is really good at maybe being a backup or maybe even being really good at optimizing the listing and stuff like have them do a lot of the work, but you just have one or just that themselves and you as a seller and that's it. And that's kind of where you're seeing like it at now. You don't see a lot of brands, and, and honestly, if you do, it, it just shows just the terrible business practices within within the brand is that if they have like 35 sellers on a listing, you're like, it doesn't make any sense because it goes back to the uh, original point that I made was that you only have so much organic demand on the platform. You know, if 10 people are coming in for your product and you don't change any of the levers, like you don't do more marketing, you don't drive more traffic, you don't do any, like you're still gonna have 10 people that are gonna come back. Just because you add 15 new sellers that add 150 new product uh, inventory to that listing doesn't mean that demand increases. It actually just means that, you know, it's, it's the whole supply demand. You have the price that goes down and that's the only way that more demand happens is that the price incrementally goes down and demand starts to go up. So that's what you, you see every once in a while still, you don't see it as much. Three years ago, you saw it a lot and people are starting to realize and wake up to the point where they're saying we needed to, to get in here and, and manage this because it's exposing our bad business practices. And I wanna like kind of stay on that point for a little bit. Amazon does not um, do anything negative on purpose to a brand. It's that the brand in some element of their strategies, practices, procedures, they have something that's poor. There's something mm -hmm. that's wrong. Something is broken. And because of that, Amazon exposes it to a level that makes it apparent to them. And then either they have to accept it and say, how do I fix my business? Or right. they blame it on Amazon. And they go, Amazon's a bad guy. Amazon did this to me. Amazon is obviously the one that's the issue here. Of course they are. It's not. It's, it's the brand that, you know, incentivized their sales guy the wrong way. It's, you know, the distributor contract that they didn't ask the right questions or they didn't put in the right clauses or, you know, it's the uh, them not being able to pull the right levers on the platform to get the right um, you know, drivers that are going to have to create more supply or create more demand. They're not really doing a lot of those things. They're just kind of saying, Amazon's the bad guy. I used to have my cushy seat in my office that I didn't really have to worry about. And I got a bodybuilding.com order every Monday and I was good. Now all of a sudden now I have all these problems I have to deal with. They're good problems to have, you know, like you should anyway. I mean, it depends on where you're at, but yeah, I mean, think what I love about you, Josh, is like you've dealt within the Amazon world way more than I have. So you bring a different kind of like perspective to it. So when you go into brands and you talk about Amazon or you talk about where they should and should not be, like you give them a pretty much full 360 view of what, should, what it should be. So just a cheap plug for Jay Shaw Consulting. If you're a brand listing, you're like, I'm lost. I don't know where to start. 
his name is Josh Shaw. He charges, like I said, very cheap. You can look for his services on Amazon.com. It's kind of a domain that people know. Um, and you can you can get his services. I think they're on sale right now for like three thousand dollars an hour or something like that. So yeah, I have a flash um, sale right now. It's <laughs> light deal. Yeah. Um, if you guys like what you heard here on the podcast, um, you know, obviously hit that subscribe button. Whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, or at YouTube, we are on social media channels as well. Facebook, uh, LinkedIn is, is a big place that that you're active on. I'm trying to get more and more active there as well too. Any topics that people have, um, hit us up. Now, Josh has been like pulling these topics out of, the, out of the magician hat and they're great. Like this is, this is another great topic to talk because it's an interesting world. I mean, we can start talking about all the other ones too, like Alibaba and all these other different platforms. Walmart.com in itself is a platform yeah. we could spend an entire episode on. But I think most people are familiar with Amazon. Um, Josh, leave us, with, leave us with some words of wisdom. I'm going to put you on the spot. Words of wisdom. Um, I would say that any you know kind of opportunity you have in the market there is always a positive um, approach to it. It's a matter of, do you understand why you're doing what you're doing and understand how to get that out of it is important. If you're just going into something blindly, you're gonna always be in trouble. Um, Amazon has a ton of benefit to it, just like any other decision, but if you don't really know why you're doing what you're doing, you're gonna struggle. And if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, again, Josh Shaw Consulting, very, very cheap. podcast we're on itunes spotify podbean stitcher youtube google podcast and more follow us along on our social media channels we're on facebook two guys one cup instagram and twitter